Welcome back to Experts Only. I'm your host, John Powers. I'm the co-founder of Clean Capital and served as President Obama's Chief Sustainability Officer. On this podcast, we explore solutions to climate change by talking to industry leaders about the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance. You can get more episodes at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're joined by Trent Allen. He's the Managing Director and CEO of Sustainable Capital Advisors. He has a plethora of uh, things to hang under his title, including board members of Pace Nation and Clean Energy Works, served on the Executive Council for Clean Energy of Biden. Trent has done, has built an amazing career in addressing some of the most interesting issues around climate finance, project finance, and finding ways to address the intersection of project finance and and policy to, to help build a more equitable clean energy future for all of us. Sustainable Capital Advisors is based in D.C., and they're doing really interesting consulting and advisory work across a variety of services, and you'll hear more about that. But Trenton was also just recently named as by Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm to her new Energy Advisory Board, bringing a really important voice into the dialogue about the future of the industry. I really you're going to enjoy this conversation, and you can get more episodes at cleancapital.com. Trenton, thanks so much for joining me here at Expert Zone. First of all, I want to say congratulations. You know, there's a recent announcement that you were uh, appointed by Secretary Granholm to join this uh, Secretary's Energy Advisory Board. That is a really amazing accomplishment just to get it started. But, you know, what excites you about sort of getting involved with an organization like that? Uh, first, uh, John, thank you for having me on. And secondly, you know, it's re- it really is an honor uh, and a privilege um, and excited to be selected and appointed to this particular role. Um, I- I'm excited just really just to. Uh, roll up my sleeves and just bring sort of the, the the years of experience that I have in the finance and energy finance space and really just be a sounding board um, to the secretary on many of the key initiatives that the department is considering at this point in time. Um, as we think about sort of where we are on climate, as we think about sort of the overall um, energy system that we have in the United States, and just be able to blend sort of my experience and my voice to really help us think through sort of what are some of the critical issues and times of the day. So I'm really excited to join with a great uh, and amazing sort of group of people as well. Yeah. Um, uh, some uh, that I know and others I'm looking forward to, to meet and really just do our very best uh, to uh, provide some insights um, as towards the, the initiatives of the current administration. That's fantastic. Thanks for your public service on that. It's going to be so important in this, this next uh, next phase of the industry. So let me step back for a second out of current day events. And you grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. You went to school for chemistry, right? Yes, I did. How, how did you get interested in, in climate first? And then I want to get into finance. Climate found me. I did not find climate. So yeah. I'm in awe yeah. when, we, uh, when we recruit uh, for uh particularly, you know, either for our fellowship program or um, our positions where particularly this generation of people who, who know exactly what they want to do in climate and environmental finance, I didn't have a clue. I mean, I was just, when I was coming out of school, I was looking for a job. Um, I was a chemistry major who didn't want to go to Cincinnati to go work in a lab at Procter & Gamble. So I was looking for yeah. any, any, any job that that, that wasn't that, and nothing wrong with Procter & Gamble, nothing wrong with Cincinnati. 
but I was just ready to do something different. It's got great chili. Uh, you got great chili in Cincinnati. Great chili, you know, <laughs> great, you know, uh, a football team that's winning these days. So we'll look yeah, that's that. right. Uh, but, you know, it was really looking for a change. And I found uh, this company, Public Financial Management, who was recruiting on school on campus. And what they said to me is, we don't care what you majored in. Come here and learn finance. And oh, that's interesting. Said, yeah. and, and I looked at it and they had a three-month training program, of which I said, okay, if you give me three months to learn something and you really don't care whether I have a financial background because you're uh, having students who have finance or econ backgrounds, you have people who've done policy, you have folks who've graduated with degrees in philosophy, and we're all learning municipal finance for the very first time. I was like, this is great. This That's is something incredible. that I needed to go learn. And so my first experience there was, you know, they were talking about municipal bonds. And to me, as a chemistry major, the only thing I was thinking about was like the bonds that we had in chemistry, right? You know, yeah. single bonds, double bonds, covalent <laughs> bonds. I'm like, what is this municipal bond thing? And so, uh, it was, and so I just... Where is this in, in the periodic table? Yeah, I'm like, I'm in the wrong group here with everyone talking about stuff. But, you know, I just sort of just focused in and said, all right, you send us some books and materials, learn, let's just go learn. It. Um, let's go figure this thing out. And um, really um, sort of committed myself to learning this world of finance. Um, and uh, once I got in, I realized that, you know, sort of the uh, skills from chemistry could translate um, curiosity about data and information um, understanding relationships between numbers. And then you start to understand sort of how, uh, you know, financial uh, financial models and things. So I started really in the financial modeling space. So really just a really sort of a techie. And yeah. I built financial models. That, that's sort of what I did my first few years. And just happened that one of the projects I worked on was with uh, utilities. Um, oh, and that's how I started. So it was not yeah. because I had some brand design. Like yeah. many, uh, some of your listeners may, I, I just sort of stumbled into it and then found it interesting. Um, and so for the first, I would say eight years of my career, I was in energy because I was selected to be in energy. And then I would probably say the middle part of the 2000s, um, I decided that, you know what, I see a future here. Um, right. And not just because um, I've been in it for so long. The future I saw was really sort of this clean energy. Um, looking around to sort of how we were thinking about sort of our clients at the time, utility clients, um, rural, rural electric co-ops, municipal utilities, how they were financing projects, how, you know, sort of the, you know, no longer financing large-scale coal projects, natural gas projects, a little bit more difficult to refinance. How are we going to finance and how are we going to fund um, this new, our new needs for generation? And started looking at sort of energy efficiency and renewables and really caught the bug around sort of how that is transformative and how that is the future, let alone sort of being an answer to sort of this uh, existential crisis around climate change. And so yeah. I sort of found it as my career, you know, sort of carried on, not as something that I found it. But once we did, um, you know, I, I sort of threw myself in it, you know, headlong into sort of the topics of the day. And was able to, while I was at Citigroup at the time, really work with a tremendous group of people who were, we were all figuring out. So Bruce yeah. Klein, you know, Alfred Griffin, uh, Marshall Swant, uh, Pam Flaherty, who was at the foundation at the time, wow. um, uh, Val Smith, who's now, you know, sort of, uh, she's a sustainability officer. So we were all sort of figuring out this particular space at this, at this point in time. And so it was really exciting 
Uh, and I think sort of that sort of foundational years when I was at City really set the stage for what I'm doing now. So flash forward a decade, looking back here, you know, did you ever imagine we'd be at a place where, you know, ESG capitals at an all-time high that, you know, boardrooms are, you know, you get the Larry Fink letter. There's so much has happened in the, the, the end of this last decade that sort of just continued to trigger things forward. So yes and no, right? Yeah. Yes, because there was there was no other choice, right? So, so, right. so yes, because you could see the trajectory, right? So if you look out sort of where um, looking at sort of innovations related to energy efficiency finance, uh, sort of the beginnings of ESG, um, concerns around the environment, not just in the U.S., but you look globally, you start to see the trends and sort of the, the finger, you can see things moving. Um, and then you started to think about sort of, you know, sort of the investments that were made over a decade ago through the Recovery Act, right? You start to see some of those fingerprints. The steroid injection we needed. Exactly. Foundational um, in such a in such a uh, powerful way. So you can start to see that you, it's not a surprise that we got here, but I am still surprised. Because yeah. I do remember the times when uh, people look at you and say ESG or climate or energy finance is like, all right, this is this is some niche. This is a niche of a niche uh, <laughs> that you're yeah. thinking about. And to see it now being um, mainstream is a good is good to see. But now it is sort of how do we convert all of this attention um, and words into the action that we need to, totally to, be able to deal with this, you know, w- with what is really at the end of the day is, is an issue around climate change, but is also this transition of how we think about our overall um, energy um, infrastructure system and doing it in a much more sustainable way. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back to that because, you know, I, I, we talk a lot on the show about the tipping point that we're in right now. Um, and it's how exciting the next sort of 10 years look like. But in that gap, so looking back, you know, you, you founded Sustainable Capital Advisors. Um, what, first of all, what need did you see uh, when you decided to, to launch the firm? And talk a little bit about what you do. Sure. So, you know, in 2011, 2012, you know, it was just, I was at Citigroup prior to that. And one of the things that I enjoyed doing uh, was really helping our clients develop new solutions. And uh, we had just, it was off the heels of um, execution of um, basically one of the first green bonds, not labeled green bonds, with the Delaware Sustainable Energy Utility. Uh, it issued energy efficiency revenue bonds basically the year before. And recognizing that part of what I enjoyed most was helping get that organization um, sort of to the point where we actually were able to access the marketplace. And then thinking through of where other newer developers um, and newer projects, newer technologies need to be. I recognize that organizations like City having long lead times and product development or, or development cycles are difficult, right? So the capital markets really want to deploy as quickly as you possibly can. Yep. But there's such a need to really get these projects prepped such that capital providers like yourselves and others can be able to evaluate underwriting. So the gap that we saw at the time was these projects need to get prepped. Um, you needed people who understood the finance markets, who could package these projects together, who can identify who were the right investors for the right projects, and really shorten the time that it took for getting projects executed. And so that's what we spent time working on and started to uh, really work with a host of developers who had uh, amazing ideas, who had really good projects and ideas, um, and really needed some help on how did they get them implemented? How could they get it packaged together 
such that capital providers could deploy pro deploy capital to those particular projects. And that's really sort of the niche that we, um, we we saw, right? So if we wanted sort of massive deployment, then what do we need to do? We need to step in a gap to basically help really sort of pre-development uh, work. And we found it, and I found it particularly um, interesting because we were able to do it in projects that were uh, not necessarily siloed. Um, so yeah. we were able to do energy efficiency and waste energy and biomass and uh, community solar when it was just first starting um, PACE yeah. back in the day. PACE, yeah. Right, so You're on the board of PACE, at, right? You're on the board of PACE. Uh, PACE. Yes, I yep. am. Uh, and so uh, able to look at all these different types of technologies. And one of the things that when, when, you, when you look for a through line is that sort of how we think about sort of the underpinnings of finance and think about sort of these underlying structures. There's so much that's in common with sort of how they're financed. There are some different things on technology that we need to be considerate of, but there is so much commonality that if we could sort of bring some of this cross learnings outside of these silos, what we found is that we were able to bring better structures to our clients. Yeah. Um, we were able to help, at the end of the day, solve the problem, sort of how do we create a structure that capital providers would be that would find acceptable and how can we then have the developers create projects and structures that they could effectively sell to um, their customers. And so that's the space that we found ourselves and really, really enjoyed because it allows us to be creative look around the world for what are some of the innovative structures and approach and really not only be limited by our imaginations, but looking really to think through sort of how do we create, once we created a structure, then how can we utilize that to scale? Because at the end of the day, yeah, you know, you know, being able to scale is incredibly important. I, I want to ask you to give me a case study of like one of your, your favorite projects you've worked on, but before doing that, you know, with, you know, starting in 2011, here we are, you know, Really, a decade later, the you know the markets have matured on the 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 technologies we talk about. You know, developers still struggle sometimes to understand how to put together projects that are really financeable. Um, you know, what what do you, what has changed in the work that you're doing over the last ten years? And with that, you know, then what do you think will change ten years forward? That's, that's a great question. Um, I was saying when we first started, we were all project finance advisor, right? So we yeah. were working with developers, helping them to, you know, run their create financial models, right? Yeah. Stress test them, vet them, make changes, then help them then basically work through document, identifying capital providers, then documentation, and yeah. then, you know, rinse and repeat. That's what we did. Yeah. Uh, we say sort of so like an outsourced from, capital market shop, basically. Exactly. So yeah. all the stuff we did when I was investment banking, right? We just yeah, exactly. Just, just, <laughs> imagine that, right? Uh, so that's what we did, and and have a great amount of success to it. And so and so we still do that work, right? And so we we still do that work of being project finance advisory to developers. Yeah, still needed. The thing yeah. still needed. And, and so, but what we found is where 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 we work at now, some of our developers uh, that we worked with have have graduated beyond us, which is sort of I think is a great thing. Like they, they've brought people in-house, they've done a couple of deals, they now can perform those functions themselves. And so we see our role in some respects catalytic. If, we, if, we're, if we're good at, if we are collectively good at what we do, we'll put ourselves out of business with regards to the project finance piece because the market's mature, they've identified capital providers, they understand this particular space. And that's a really good thing. Um, so we go look for others. So what we find ourselves doing is in sort of what we call our uh, in our sustainable finance practice is really, really work with a lot of sort of new developers, right? Who are getting into space where effectively they don't have 
It's a one or two person organization. They have identified good projects. They've identified good counterparties. But at the end of the day, they don't necessarily have the bandwidth to do some of the financing pieces. So basically, yeah. we are working with them to develop those capabilities in-house. And as I said, you know, they'll continue to grow. They'll do more projects. They'll bring, they'll hire somebody on their team who will do this particular function. So that, that's sort of the role that we play. And we do sort of, you know, sort of, you know, from concept to closing um, on the finance side. Um, the second piece that we do um, sort of is what we call our, our sustainable communities group. Uh, practice and really that is really thinking about sort of instead of looking at projects at the uh, at the project level, think about it in the context of um, a service territory um, or a utility system. Um, and so in that space, we're a financial advisor to um, the U.S. Virgin Islands Water and Electric Authority. Uh, we're a co-financial advisor to DC Water, and that just gives us a view of sort of how you think about sort of sustainable infrastructure and technologies being implemented throughout the entire system. It just gives us a sort of a different view. And that is a change from where we work, right? So we were always just focused squarely on projects, but now thinking about a little bit broader. And then sort of the last thing that spurs an evolution for us has been, you know, sort of thinking about what we, you know, sort of policy and research side, which is how does finance impact the ability to deploy capital for the benefit of sampling projects, right? right. So at, at policy level. And so in that space, we worked, you know, with one of the largest foundations uh, for climate finance and helped them develop a five-year climate finance strategy. We've worked with Volt Solar um, oh, yeah. 2017 those, yeah. on uh, inclusive, uh, uh, an inclusive solar finance framework, right? So looking at sort of how do you expand opportunities for low-income and low-credit score customers um, yeah. really access and what are the barriers and then we've also done an incredible uh, a, a lot of work with uh, green banks um, and nonprofit uh, finance institutions across the country and really helping them understand sort of what's their underlying deployment strategy what are the products that they're offering what is their business overall business strategy look like and then how can they take public capital and private capital blend together to fill these particular gaps in their particular areas so whether that was um, work that we've done uh, with the Maryland Clean Energy Center or work that we're doing now with the Community uh, Investment Guarantee Pool or for a few others is really looking at sort of this intersection of blended capital between sort of public and private sources and how do we yeah, use second. that to expand opportunities. And so our work has really gone from just being project finance, which we still do, into thinking about things in a broader sense. And so uh, I would say that we, we were able to both have sort of an ear to the ground, which is really good, hands in the dirt, understanding the project level, but also being able to think about sort of what are the tools and levers that exist for being able to accelerate capital at a much, much different level when it comes to thinking about sort of the, the, the sort of the combination of whether it be asset owners, policies, or where's that intersection exists so that we can really meet the, the goals that we need to have to really deploy to meet the challenges of climate change. Well, that works out so critical, Trent, because I feel like you're living in an intersection where, you know, we could finance uh, vanilla projects all day long, but if we want to grow into actually engaging the LMI community, for instance, right? We, we've struggled on community solar to get tax equity providers and debt providers to want to play in that space. And so how do we put together the right mechanisms at a public level, whether it be at a jigger shop, the loan guarantee office or the green banks, so the equity providers who are willing to take that risk 
can get the rest of the capital stack in that right now is, you know, will talk the right game, but isn't actually putting their money where their mouth is in that space, right? So that intersection is just so critical to solve some of the problems. So when you, now you're sitting in DC, we're in the, the middle of probably one of the most critical conversations we've ever had on climate and finance and policy with some of the legislation moving today, you know, if things go forward, like we hope they do with things like direct pay and, you know, some of the, the, the administration's new goals, how do you see that acting as a uh, second catalyst here for the industry over the next 10 years? And then with that said, how does the role that you guys are play change as we're moving ahead? Uh, I, I, you, you said that this is a, um, it's a, it's a transformational moment um, right. that we're in. Um, you know, we, we have um, over the last, you know, 20 years been able to build a foundation of uh, projects, participants, this ecosystem that exists. And I think the reason I, I say this is transformational is because I think we now are at the space where we can accelerate at a really, really rapid pace uh, sort of what we all can do. So there are the ability to deploy known technologies to deal with not only potentially energy savings, but also think about sort of uh, CO2 reduction right. um, is incredibly important and at hand. And I think that, you know, from, from what we see um, in, the, in the impending legislation, it's really sort of the, um, the, 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 the fuel and attention to sort of that deployment that we see um, and, and providing some of the additional supports particularly uh, as it relates to pre-development or some of the gap funding that exists there that allows, that creates the conditions that, you know, more projects can be structured and put together that, that, that you know, yourself and others can, can finance in. So we think that this really becomes transformational in that sense. And I also would say the other piece to that is I think there is this blending of sort of not only just thinking about sort of the pure reduction in um, sort of addressing things about sort of, you know, sort of, know discussions around sort of energy energy use um, our overall energy system and grid um, when it comes to sort of carbon reduction but also i think there's this other piece around sort of economics um, and um, yeah. sort of job creation and not only just those pieces just um sort of you know separately but also thinking about sort of how can we use this particular transformation to be intentional around making sure that opportunities are flowing at uh, in, in a much more inclusive and equitable way. Um, and so as we see through sort of the announcements from the administration related to sort of their Justice 40 initiative, um, I think there's this moment here where we can sort of think about sort of the, the wheels of not just government, but philanthropy, as well as corporations, as well as just the industry generally, and ensuring that basically that when there is this additional um, you know, whether there is you know, additional capital that's available at the federal level or even just as projects, that we are looking to expand the opportunities. Um, because not only is that a, um, the right thing to do from a, um, from, from a moral and societal standpoint, but it's also the right thing to do from a business standpoint. Right? There is um, the ability to deploy these technologies in communities all across this, the country. And so yeah. one of the things that we can do is make sure that we are inclusive when we are thinking about sort of who's uh, not only uh, performing the work, the companies that are doing the work, but also who gets to participate as investors. I think that's incredibly important. And I think it's the final stage when we think about sort of 
this this sort of this attention to equity and inclusion. I love it. So um, let this be the first of a series of conversations. I really love the way you're thinking about this and approaching the market. And I um, could talk to you all day because I really like the, the, the area you're focused on is at sort of the heart of what I've been sort of built my career on. But I do want to go back to Cincinnati. You're coming out of high school. You can sit down at Skyline Chili and have a conversation with yourself. Uh, or coming out of college, you can sit down and have a beer. What piece of advice would you give yourself? The, the piece of advice that I would give myself, the, um, you know, is, is, is that know what you're doing and why you're doing, right? Is that, you know, when you're starting a career, you're, you're starting, sometimes you don't, you're, you're sort of there, right? You're in right. a job for a period of time because you're in the job. Yeah. Right. Trent, you know, I was in the you, army, you, so I knew you, you <laughs> I was told to be there. <laughs> you may not have uh, uh, this plan. So one of the things that I, I would tell myself the same thing I tell particularly um, young analysts and associates I work with in investment banking and people in our team now is every six months, just just decide why you're staying, why you're here. Um, right. And it could be for any number of reasons. Right. It could be for I'm staying here because I want the paycheck. Right, it's staying here because I don't have have a clue what I want to do next. Right, yeah. and so this is the space. But if you can actively decide why you're staying, then you are an active participant in your career and your journey, as opposed to a passive participant. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and and you know, one of the things I stayed where I stayed because I need to pay my student loans off. Right, so right, right. I was working to pay my student loans off. Then after you do that, right, after a long time. Uh, you know, <laughs> then you start to stay for other reasons. Um, you may stay because this is a job that's in the right location for you. Uh, you may be staying because you see a career there or, or it allows you to do other things in your life, right? Having a work-life balance. There's no judgment about why people stay, but just to know that you're staying, you're actively deciding every single year that you're staying, that there's an eye on a prize, as opposed to too many people. I found in, when I was in investment banking or, you know, in advisory or wherever else, is that you look up and it's like, it's been a decade and I don't know, I wish I would have done something else. And so yeah. this is all about basically, if you know why you're staying, um, then you can be, you're, you're an active participant. Um, and that's what we really wanted to be. Um, you're, 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 you're better at your job when you're actively engaged in it. Um, you're better at, at sort of in your life when you sort of know where you're, what you're doing. Um, and it doesn't mean that you figured it all out, but at least you're, you're making these decisions um, on a continuous basis. Uh, I've found that for me um, and for sort of the folks I've, I've had the pleasure of working with, um, you know, you, you really um, get the best out of yourself. I love it. Well, thank you for sticking in the roles that you've stuck in to make the work you're doing. It's incredible. <laughs> you can always learn more about uh, sustainable capital providers. It's uh, sustainablecap.com. It's a great website, by the way. Um, Want to thank Bill McHugh and your team for helping to put this together and uh, really, really enjoy the conversation and good luck with the important work you're going to be doing with, with Sector Grano. Thank you so much, John, for your time. And uh, really, it was a pleasure and for the conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks to our producers, Colin Young and, and Carly Batten. As always, you can get more episodes at cleancapital.com. I look forward to continuing the conversation.